Hey, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Help Me Understand podcast. Uh, today, we are talking about what it means to be a healthy leader in education. Uh, after 15 years of being a middle school principal, I figured this was a perfect topic for me to kind of reorient and get myself in a healthier place. And I have a great guest to talk about this today. Uh, Shannon's with us to talk a little bit about her work uh, around helping healthy leaders, but also um, all of the things she sees out there that uh, leaders can do on their own to continue to be healthy. Welcome and uh, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. As you think about um, a healthy leader, a healthy school leader, a healthy person, uh, what first comes to mind? Hmm. I think for me, one of the, the first things that comes to mind is really uh, what's going on in my own mind. What am I thinking about? Um, what's weighing me down? Uh, what are the, quality, the qualities of my thoughts? Where does my mind tend to go? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it exciting? Is it energizing? Or is it something that really, really weighs me down? So really, I think one of those first things for me is really that awareness of what are the quality of my thoughts and what is my state of mind? Yeah, you do a lot of work with leaders around this. And I, one of my thoughts is like, how do you keep from shaming people? It seems like oh. it's so easy to be like, um, <laughs> you know, the, basically you're telling people you aren't healthy, right? Like it's like, it, that's, the, that's the reality of what you're trying to tell people in a really nice, comforting way. So how do you go from like, shaming to reshaping? Help me understand that. Bob, I think that's a great question because I think for so many, I'm so passionate about so many topics in education that I want people to hear me. But when we, when we feel shamed, it's like you kind of shame people at the beginning, but then you realize that doesn't work. <laughs> so you have to realize, uh, I think just getting on the, on the level of the person that you're with or trying to connect with. So I think for me, it's telling stories. It's, telling real stories about my experiences as a school leader, um, as a former principal, as a former assistant principal, and that, that busyness that we all suffer from. And at the end of the day, we, we commute home or go home and we realize that we're still, we have nothing left for ourselves and our families. So I think for me, the, the biggest, the way to reshape is through story and be really honest and tell the truth and show people um, how you screwed up, mm -hmm. <laughs> how you made different choices. Like, oh, once you realize when you screw up, like, oh, I have a choice here. I can, I can make some changes, but, it, but you have to really get real with yourself. Yeah, I wonder if being unhealthy is just part of the human condition and something that we don't have to live with, but like we, ha we as humans can come together and say, this is part of our journey of continuing to reorient and reshape and re kind of pull ourselves in the right directions. Um, how, what's that look like when you start to help people rebalance or rethink? Uh, what are some of the things at the top of your list that you try to bring uh, to the surface for people? So whenever I host a workshop or a retreat, uh, one of the first sections of my, of my experience, I try to make things really experiential. So the first experience I give people is what does real rest feel like? Because I think that we don't really know how to rest. We might think that watching Netflix and chilling with a glass of wine 
is, is resting. And it's really not, it's actually distracting. So I think the first thing is to give people an experience of what true rest really feels like. It's not doing anything, it's not running away. It might be, it might be lying down on the floor on a blanket and stretching and doing different uh, restorative yoga poses. So that's, that's that first piece. And then, you know, people like kind of get up and they're, you know, wiping the drool off their face and they're like, Oh my God, that was amazing. And I'm like, that was amazing. <laughs> people would literally come to my studio to sleep if I would let them because they just really don't give themselves permission to rest. And they might not know what that truly means or the guilt sets in like, Oh, I have so much to do. I don't really deserve to do this right now, or I don't have time to do this. So giving them that opportunity to rest is the first thing that I like to provide. Then I try to do some intention setting and not, not necessarily goal setting, but like an inventory and reflection on where are we? How are you feeling? What are the quality of your thoughts? Some kind of reflection prompt to really, just to get people thinking deep and quiet. And then always some writing with that reflection. So reflection with thought, but also then on paper. Because I think it's really exciting as humans that we have this ability to write, me included. And sometimes we're just so afraid to do that or we don't carve out time to do that because that writing, putting it on the paper makes it become really real. Like was it, when it's just in my head, I can't, nobody else can see it. So I'm not as vulnerable, but when I get it down on paper, it's real. And for me, that's that, that action step. And then I think the third part of the experience that I really try to embed in every practice is, is giving people different experiences with all different kinds of mindfulness practices with the breath, with the body, with sound, with the, the thoughts in their mind, and, um, and then a compassion practice to kind of connect all human beings and all beings to one another. So it really, all of these practices really help us become aware, raise awareness. Oh gosh, my shoulders hurt. You know, like I didn't realize that I carry all that tension in my shoulders. So now I can pay attention to that and kind of check in throughout the day. Um, then doing some reflection and then really learning how to become more aware and kind of hit pause throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes every morning sitting on a cushion, um, living this lifestyle like a monk, but you know, it's about frequency versus duration. So can I check in with myself for a minute, three times a day and just really start to feel and notice. And I think one of the ways to really build that resilience in people is when we're experiencing an emotion that we like like joy or peace, to really hang on to that and notice it. Like things are good right now, like savor that because uh, we're wired to be negative. So we really hang on to and notice when things aren't good. And it's really easy to see that in our world. But if we do look for the good and start reprogramming ourselves, so that rest, the reflection and the mindfulness practices help us see the things that are good more often. Yeah, and I think sometimes I struggle with um, this piece about being grateful for the moment, like you just said, right? Like, so how do you help people see, like, it's okay that I took a moment for myself. This wasn't um, in lieu of somebody else. This wasn't something I should feel selfish about, that ultimately it's okay to take this moment and feel good about it. Mm. So I think that as leaders, we really have to start embedding these practices into our, our daily culture. So if I'm having a staff meeting, then I am making sure that the gratitude practice is in there or there's some sort of celebration and recognition, um, whether it's personal or professional, but you need to give 
if we're trying to reshape that and embed that, we need to give people that practice time to do it and also to connect with other people about it. Because it's fine that you're just savoring it for yourself, but we also wanna um, enhance that human connection and, and reduce the, uh, the stress that's in our schools. <laughs> so if we're actually sharing gratitude with other people and talking about it, the, uh, the good hormones increase and the stress hormones decrease. So I think that's how you give permission, you model it and, and you really live by that. So, and then, yeah. and you know, right? Like, you know that if you are not paying attention to these good things um, and you are not, your mind is not healthy, then you're, you're really not, um, your cup is pretty much depleted. And it's a really exhausting time in education right now. And we need to stop blaming and continuing that cycle of it's so exhausting. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so busy. There's nothing I can do about it. No, no, there, there are some things you can do about it, but you have to start with yourself and kind of let go of those things that you can't control. What's in your own sphere of influence. Yeah. And I really like the idea that it's about asking people to do different and not so much about doing less. Part of it, it's about doing less and what we're stopping, but it really is a reorientation of the work and what we put in front and what we put in the middle and what we put in the end, um, where we take 30 seconds, where we take two minutes. Um, Cause I do see a, a burnout amongst leaders and then that resonates out into their organization. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see this going from leader to student and mm -hmm. where do you see, and how do you see leaders doing that well? So help me understand that connection between leader all the way to making sure it resonates with the kids in their building. Hmm. I, I think again, how, how I said modeling it with students. So making sure that you, you know, you're checking in with students, whether you're out and about on a walk, you're asking them about if you're trying to instill a gratitude practice in your school and you want your staff to do it and just talk about those things, making sure that when you're connecting with kids and families, you're also um, asking for the same thing or what's going well in our school. Like, let's really find those bright, bright spots and shed some light on it because we know that we have a lot of things to improve all the time. But again, that gets really overwhelming and it, it makes us spiral right out of control because we know that the list goes on and on and on and on and on, but we really need to celebrate those bright spots. So um, I think really uh, modeling and doing this work with kids. So um, leaders really have to be healthy. They have to care about their staff. It's, it's more than uh, just test scores and high rigorous uh, curriculum and achievement, right? Like if we are not, if we authentically don't care about the people that we work with, that will trickle down to our kids. So even like our children in our classrooms, our most challenging or most developing kids, they can really wear on us, right? But we have to figure out a way to at least try to care about them. And the same, the same goes, I think, for leaders. We really have to truly try to care and wish well on our most challenging relationships in our school communities, whether it's with staff members or with families. And I think that if people can see that there's a, that you're trying and you really do care and that you're trying to make those connections and you're, um, you're authentic and you're, you're true to your word and you show up for people, Think that that goes a long way and I don't know how many people I don't know how many people are feeling uh, heard and seen at this point everybody mm -hmm. feels rushed and overwhelmed so I think that greatest gift is just that time just showing up for people and really really trying to connect yeah I really love that an idea about just showing up for people and being present and um, you know 
even asking people caring questions, right? And really wanting to stay in that conversation and not it being a passing conversation. Well, a final few questions here before we wrap up. Um, I'm hearing some things about just kind of mental well-being. Where, where else does that extend to? Does it extend to physical fitness? Does it extend to nutrition? How do you make that connection for leaders as well? I think it absolutely connects to all of the, you know, definitely physical fitness, right? When we, when we move and we exercise, um, <laughs> it's like taking a, a handful of antidepressants. So we know this. So why aren't we embedding that into our day? Um, like walk and talks are such easy ways to embed a prompt and reflection into your school day. So if you're staff meeting, uh, are you moving? Is the location that you have your staff meeting, does it, does it align with the goals or outcomes you hope for that meeting? So I think if you have a really important question that you want people to examine, whether it's uh, curriculum or social emotional learning, like have folks pair up and do a, a five, five to seven minute walk and talk, and then you can come back. They're, they're decreasing their cortisol levels. They're moving, so they're feeling better. They're putting the good back into their body. They're connecting with other human beings, all of those things that we're craving for. Um, so that's just easy. I mean, that's not real physical. I mean, it's real physical fitness, but it's not over the top, like 30 minutes or an hour of exercise every day. Um, but definitely our food too. And I'm glad you brought up nutrition because look at the, look at the food that we serve kids. You know, some of us serve really good foods to kids and some don't. And those are conversations that we really need to, honest conversations we need to have because food makes you feel a certain way. We know this, the research is out. Like high sugar causes depression. <laughs> so what are we doing? Like, how do we, how do we have those conversations in healthy ways? Uh, the backpack programs, you know, it's so great that we're sending food to kids on the weekend that need it right in their families. But if it's all junk and sugar, are we really helping them? I don't know. Those are, those are really hard questions. I don't know the answer to that. I think yes, because at least their bellies feel full, but if it's not making them feel well emotionally, <laughs> Yeah. Calorie, calories are the base, right? They're the foundation and not the peak. And so we can give people calories, but that shouldn't be the end of the conversation. I, that, that's kind of where I am on that. And, you know, the other piece is that, um, you know, I had a superintendent who was dear and near to me who said that lunch isn't a neutral budget sort of thing. It's a learning space, right? Kids should be coming to the cafeteria to learn about different foods, to try foods, to learn about nutrition. And so we shouldn't think about it as a budget neutral experience for kids. And so I always held on to that. So final question, if people want to know more about your work or learn about what you do, uh, where do you send them? Where can they go check that out? Okay, so um, I, have, I have my email. So spitcher at twcny. .rr.com, or I have a website, uh, adkbreathingroom.com. Awesome. And I'll put all that in the show notes. So Shannon, thank you for being with us. And thank you for helping me to understand a little bit more about what it means to be a healthy leader. Okay. Thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day.